let's return together to the Gospel of Luke this morning, chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, we're going to look at the first four verses. And uh, this is a passage where uh, the disciples ask Jesus to teach them how to pray. And we're going to uh, take our cue from the disciples for the next several weeks, as I said, and take that question to the Lord, asking him to teach us how to pray as we study the Lord's prayer together. Now, before we read this passage, let's pray and and ask, ask for the Lord's help. Lord, we, uh, we remember that but one thing is necessary, to sit at the feet of Jesus Christ and learn from him. And today we would choose that good portion, and we pray that as we sit at the feet of our Savior and learn from him, that you would teach us how to pray and give us hearts of prayer. We ask it all for Jesus' sake. Amen. Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. Well, as Christians, we know that prayer is important. Uh, We know that prayer is a privilege. We know that prayer is commanded. We know that prayer is powerful, and we know that uh, our Heavenly Father invites His children to, to seek His face and to make the desires of their hearts known and to pour out their hearts to Him in prayer. We know a lot about prayer, but do we know how to pray? Those two things are not the same. And so for the next several weeks, I I want us to park out in this passage and think together about uh, the Lord's Prayer. I want to look at the Lord's Prayer as Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray. And as we do this, I'm really, I'm aiming for, for two things that individually and collectively we learn how to pray better and also that we be encouraged to be a people of prayer. If we're honest with ourselves and honest with one another, prayer is a struggle. Prayer can be difficult. Sometimes we struggle to know what to pray for, and other times we just simply to str- we struggle to pray at all. I've I've heard it said that if you want to humble a pastor, simply ask him how much he prays. But I suspect that that question would humble each and every one of us if it was put to us. Uh, if, if recent statistics are, are right or correct, the average evangelical Christian today prays, on average, about three minutes a day. 
And most of those prayers are prayers said around uh, the dinner table or some setting like that. Outside of that, Christians have stopped praying. And it's not just in the lives of individual Christians. This is something that has happened in the church. Uh, The church has begun purging prayer from its worship services. So that uh, basically all that's happening in a lot of churches are these brief prayers here and there said along the way. And so I, I, I don't think it's an overstatement, dear friends, to say both individually and in the life of the church, we need reformation when it comes to prayer. And so once again, our goals for the Next few weeks are to learn how to pray as we sit at the feet of Jesus and to encourage us to be a people of prayer, both in our personal lives and in our corporate life together as a church. We're going to pursue these goals as we study the Lord's Prayer. And today, I simply want us to focus on the request of the disciples, the invocation here at the beginning, and then the first petition, Lord or Father, Hallowed be your name. There are three things Jesus teaches us about prayer in these couple of verses that I want us to see today. Jesus teaches us about disciplined prayer. He teaches us about relational prayer. And he teaches us about doxological or worshipful prayer. And so first of all, Jesus teaches us about disciplined prayer. Now before Jesus begins teaching his disciples about prayer, Jesus is praying. That's how this passage begins. It begins with Jesus praying. And I I want to remind us that Jesus was a man of prayer. Nowhere is that made more clear than in the gospel of Luke. Luke tells us nearly a dozen times about Jesus praying, Jesus going off to to pray and and spend time with his, his heavenly father. Now, Luke often just sort of says it in passing, so you could easily miss it. But once you see the number of times Luke tells you about Jesus praying, it becomes becomes obvious, I think, that Luke wants to teach us something about prayer as he tells us about the prayer life of Jesus. Jesus was devoted to a life of prayer. And so, for example, at Jesus' baptism, As he is beginning his public ministry, Luke slips in the detail that Jesus was praying. No no doubt uh, asking his heavenly father to help him and equip him with the Holy Spirit to fulfill his messianic ministry. And then not long after that, as Jesus' popularity was, was growing... We find Jesus uh, going off to be by himself and spend time with his heavenly father in prayer. Luke tells us before Jesus chose the 12 disciples that he went, he went up on the mountain and spent an entire night praying about the decision that was about to be made. And, and I think three more times before we reach Luke chapter 11, Luke tells us about Jesus praying. So Jesus Jesus was devoted to prayer. And I think as disciples who are called to follow after the Lord Jesus, disciples who are called to be like Christ, 
We can simply learn by his example here. His life was a praying life. Jesus relied on his heavenly father and the the power of the Holy Spirit in all of his life and ministry. And if that's true about the sinless son of God, then dear friends, how much more do we as, as sinful, needy people need to rely on our Heavenly Father and the Spirit's help in all of our lives. On this particular occasion, though, Jesus was praying and his disciples were with him. And after hearing Jesus pray, one of the disciples asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. And in response to that request, Jesus gives what we now call the Lord's Prayer. I think there is a really important lesson for us uh, to learn here as, as Christians. As Christians, we have to be taught and learn how to pray. How should we pray? What should we pray for? Sometimes as Christians, we can make the mistake of of thinking that praying is something that just just sort of naturally we come to know how to do. It's it's as though that when when you're converted, when you become a Christian, this this prayer program gets uploaded onto your hard drive and you're you're good to go. But it isn't like that, is it? That's not how the Christian life works. The disciplines of the Christian life are not downloadable programs. This isn't the matrix. This is uh, part of Christian discipleship, learning from our master and learning how to practice what he teaches us. So what is prayer? Well, prayer at its most basic level is talking to God. We listen to God speak to us from his word and we speak back to God in prayer. So prayer is a form of communication. And like any other form of communication, it is something we have to learn how to do. The more we learn how to pray and what to pray for, the better we are equipped to pray as our Lord wants us to. Just think about this for a minute, the parallel here. We understand the necessity of learning communication in a lot of other ways, don't we? All these other forms of communication. Our children have to learn how to to speak and to to read and and write, don't they? Karis wasn't born with the the ability right away to to speak or to read and write. It's something she has to learn how to do. It's something she has to work at. It's something that she has to study and and grow in. It's not simply acquired instantaneously. And, And just as a child must learn to communicate, so we, as the children of God, must learn how to communicate with our Father in heaven. And so prayer requires learning. Lord, teach us to pray. Now, don't, don't make the mistake of thinking that because prayer is a spiritual exercise, a spiritual discipline, that we don't need to learn how or, or we can't improve how we pray. We need to learn how to pray so that we can, we can better engage in the exercise of prayer because according to this passage, prayer is something that must be taught and something that must be learned. It's a discipline we must study so that we can grow in our fellowship with God. Notice the nature of the question the disciples are asking. It's not teach us about prayer. 
It's not, you know, Jesus, fill our minds with information about prayer. It's far more practical than that, isn't it? It's teach us about prayer so that we might know how to pray. Now just think about this. If, if prayer was something we naturally knew how to do, well, then Jesus wouldn't have to teach his disciples how to do it, would he? And oddly enough, I think that's a great encouragement. If, if you struggle to pray, if you struggle to know what to pray for, if, if you've ever thought, my prayer life is just so generic at times, it's sometimes just so superficial and I find myself struggling to pray and to know what to pray for, my friends, you are not abnormal. This is basic to discipleship. Disciples must be taught by the Lord Jesus how to pray and what to pray for. And like a good teacher, Jesus gives his disciples an outline or a a skeleton sketch, a bare bones summary uh, to follow when we struggle to pray. Jesus says to them, when you pray, pray like this. And what follows is this sketch of, of a praying life. And when we look at the Lord's prayer as a whole, it teaches us several listen, lessons about disciplined prayer. It teaches us, first of all, that it's a, it's a simple prayer. Uh, this prayer isn't something filled with eloquent or elaborate language, is it? It's, it's incredibly simple. Learning to pray doesn't mean learning how to pray in some kind of sophisticated, word-filled manner. Jesus tells us, keep it simple. Keep it simple when you pray. That's what he emphasizes in Matthew's account of the Lord's Prayer at the beginning. He says, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. That's encouragement, I think. To learn how to pray does not mean you need to be a gifted speaker or orator or eloquent with language. Prayer is simple. A child can do it. Secondly, the Lord's Prayer is a model prayer. It's not the only prayer. It's not the only way to pray. The Bible has a lot more to teach us about prayer and prayers of supplication, prayers of adoration and confession and so on. But this is an outline. And if you want to learn how to pray, then you need to know the Lord's prayer. And so I I want to uh, say a word to parents here or to teachers. I want to encourage you to teach your children the Lord's prayer. You know, if you're looking for a good thing to do in family worship, here's, here's my suggestion to you today. Take some time to memorize the Lord's Prayer together and then look at each of these petitions together and unpack them. What, what is the Lord teaching us to pray for and how we are to pray? You know, throughout church history, Christians have utilized the Lord's Prayer as a teaching tool to teach their kids how to pray. That's why many of our Reformation catechisms have the Lord's Prayer, as a fundamental part of the catechism. You look at many of the catechisms and you could really uh, divide them up into three sections. You've You've got doctrine, duty, and delight. And very often the doctrine is is summarized by looking at the Apostles' Creed. 
Uh, The duty is summarized by the Ten Commandments and the delight, the life of fellowship and communion with God is very often summarized by the Lord's Prayer. So the Lord's Prayer has always been seen as a model prayer because it gives us in summary form what we and our children need to know so we can pray. Matthew Henry says about the Lord's Prayer, it is both concise and comprehensive. And so the Lord's Prayer, it's a simple prayer, it's a model prayer, and third, it's a biblical prayer. What I mean by that is not that uh, it's found in the Bible. What I mean by that is that the, the content of the Lord's Prayer is guided by and arises from the Bible itself. In other words, one of the things the Lord's Prayer is teaching us is to simply take God's Word and pray it back to Him. Uh, one of the, I think one of the Puritans, I don't remember who, used to say, God loves his own handwriting. Show it to him. Show it to him. That's what, that's what prayer is, is all about. Taking God's word and turning it into praise, prayers of praise, prayers of petition, prayers of confession. Just think about the petitions of the Lord's Prayer with me. Where do they come from? Hallowed be your name. Listen to Psalm 145, 21. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Your kingdom come. Think about Daniel 7 referring to the son of man. Jesus' favorite title of self-designation. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Give us this day our daily bread. Proverbs 30 verse 8, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me the food that is needful for me. Forgive us our debts. Well, my text for that one's the whole Bible. Because all the Bible is, is about how a holy God makes a way for unholy sinners to be forgiven through Jesus Christ and brought into God's holy presence for all eternity. So if you ever struggle in prayer, here's one tip I have for you. Open up your Bible and simply start praying God's word back to him. The Lord's Prayer, it's simple, it's a model prayer, it's a biblical prayer. And finally, I want you to see here that it's a structured prayer. You know, there's an order to this prayer that is meant to teach us something. It calls upon God as Father, invokes God as Father. And it begins with a concern for the exaltation of God's glory and the the manifestation of his glorious reign throughout the earth. And so it begins with these petitions asking for God's name to be, to be set apart and adored and praised. Asking for his kingdom to come here on earth. And Matthew's account of the Lord's Prayer, of course, there's the third petition. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So three petitions that focus on God. Then three petitions that focus on our needs. Our daily bread, our need for forgiveness, our need for protection. So it's a structured prayer. And you see how that structure instructs us. 
Not that you have to you have to pray in this order every single time you pray, but the Lord's prayer is ordered to remind us that our life is best understood when our primary concern is for the adoration of God and the revelation of his glorious kingdom. Our needs, you see, they take their proper place when we have a grand vision of God's glory and, and his kingdom. And so the Lord's Prayer, it's, it's simple, it's a model, it's biblical, and it's structured, and it's meant to teach us about discipline prayer. Again, if we're to learn how to pray, it's going to take learning and practice. I remember when I was, when I was just a little boy and I was learning to, to write the alphabet. And one of the things my teacher uh, did was give me a sheet of paper you know, with lines on it. And at the beginning of each line was a, a letter of the alphabet uh, written down in sort of dotted lines. Does everybody know what I'm talking about here? And what you did is you traced the letter... And then for the rest of the line, you, you wrote out that letter for yourself. I think the Lord's Prayer is kind of like that. It traces the contours of prayer so that as disciples, we can learn how to pray. But it takes practice and it takes discipline. And, you know, I, didn't, I didn't learn how to write the alphabet in a single day. All communication, whether reading, writing, or speaking requires learning and discipline. And my friends, prayer, the most important communication of all. Communion with our Heavenly Father. and Communion with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. It takes discipline. It takes practice. And it takes learning. And so here in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is teaching us the language and the logic prayer. And secondly, Jesus teaches us about relational prayer. He teaches us to pray saying, Father. That, that doesn't hit home with us as much as it should. The, the living, eternal God. The everlasting one. The one who stands in need of no one and nothing. The creator of all that is. Jesus is teaching us here to address him as Father. Father. And calling God Father defines who we are and it highlights the intimacy that the children of God enjoy in prayer. Think about how God, a calling God Father defines us as Christians. It tells us about who God is to us and at the same time it tells us about who we are by God's grace. Calling God Father is a defining reality of the Christian life. It shapes the Christian life. It transforms the lives of God's children. You know, when I think about my identity, someone asked me, you know, who are you? Well, I would, uh, in earthly terms, say, well, I'm the, I'm the husband of Kelsey. I'm the father of Karis and Emma. I'm the son of Russell and Kitty Havener. You see, the, 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 the closest relationships I have in my life are a part of defining my identity. Well, Jesus is teaching here that our deepest identity is defined by the most important relationship of all. Who are you if you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ today? You are a child of the living God and you were, you were bought with the price of the blood of the Son of God. It is one of the most marvelous 
mind-boggling, transforming truths that the almighty, everlasting God did not spare his one and only son, but delivered him up for us all in order that we might be called his children. In order that we might call upon him as our loving heavenly father. And it means as, as we invoke that name, as we invoke God by calling him father, we're, we're remembering this is a God who loves us. This is a God who has shown grace upon grace to us, who watches over us and cares for us and shows us compassion. And so God, calling God father defines us as children, but it also highlights the intimacy of prayer. It's addressed to our father, friends. Not the supreme being, not the great judge, not the creator. Now, all of those titles are important and should be included in our prayer lives. But when Jesus is teaching us to pray as disciples, he teaches us to call upon God as our father in heaven. And it's a title of intimacy and affection. It's a, it's a title that encourages us, doesn't it, to go to God in prayer. We don't go to a stranger. We don't go to an aloof deity in the sky who doesn't care a bit for us. We go to our Father in heaven who gave his Son that we might call him by that name. So the intimacy of this title reminds us that that the throne of grace, it is always, always open to the children of God. We always have the ear of our heavenly father. What does a child do? What is their their instinct if they're scared or hurt or they have a need? What what does a little child do? They, They run to their father. And my friends, that ought to be our instinct as children of the heavenly father. We go to him and as Calvin, as Calvin says, prayer is the means by which we take our needs and our anxieties and our requests and our troubles and we lay them into the lap of our Heavenly Father. And so calling God Father invites us to bring our cares and our concerns and our needs to God and he welcomes us in Jesus with open arms and pities and protects and provides for his children. He has compassion on us. I know for some of you today, as you're hearing this talk about praying to God as Father, there may be a, a, a turmoil in your heart. In this broken and, and messed up world, some of you have had fathers who have failed you tremendously. And, and it's easy, I think, for us to project our experience of our earthly father onto how we think about our heavenly father. And my friends, if that's something you struggle with, I want to say one thing to you today. If that's a struggle you have, know this. God is the perfect father. He will never fail you. You know, I don't care how great your earthly father is. He will fail you again and again. I could give you a list today of ways I have already failed Karis and Emma. But our heavenly father, friends, is perfect. He will never fail you. 
He will never abuse you. He will never, never deal with you harshly. He is always faithful, so you can always rely on him. So Jesus teaches us here about disciplined prayer, relational prayer. And then thirdly, he teaches us about doxological prayer. Prayer concerned for the praise of God. Jesus says, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. God's name represents God himself. God's names and God are one and the same in scripture. That's why the psalmist can say in Psalm 9 verse 2, I will sing praise to your name. Or in Psalm 99 verse 3, let them praise your great and awesome name as we read in our call to worship this morning. God's name is synonymous with God. And therefore, when we turn to the Bible, God's names reveal God himself. And when we see the names of God in the Bible, we see that God is the creator. God is righteous and just and true. That he is almighty. That he is sovereign king. That he is a God of compassion and mercy. That he is a redeemer who, who cancels sin and sets his people free. And this God, my friends, is our Father. And so because of who he is and because we adore him, our greatest desire in life is to see his name set apart and hallowed throughout the earth. This is what Jesus teaches us in the first petition. Our greatest desire is for the name of God to be adored, for God to be set apart and recognized as holy and known for who he is. In this first petition, we pray that God would be acknowledged and we pray for his name to be hallowed as it is in heaven. See, even now as, as we meet the angels of heaven and the saints who have gone before us, they, they fill the chambers of heaven with the anthem. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And when we pray, Father, hallowed be your name, we are praying, Lord, let the earth join with the courses of heaven and declare, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Let his name be exalted. Let his name be praised. And throughout the Old Testament, we see that the great longing of God's people is for God's name to be adored and worshipped throughout the earth. Nehemiah 9 verse 5, stand up and bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. Psalm 34 verse 3, oh magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Psalm 148, 11 through 13, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord. For his name alone is exalted, his majesty is above earth and heaven. So you see that the people of God are jealous for the fame of God's name. The great longing of the Christian 
is for the name of God to be recognized and loved and exalted and praised and set apart as holy. And so we pray, Lord, let your name be exalted among the nations. Let it be exalted in this church. Let it be exalted in our homes and in our lives. Hallowed be your name. And so the Lord teaches us here that prayer, is, it's disciplined, it's relational, it's doxological. And finally, and just for a brief moment, prayer is mediated. Think about this with me. How can those who are once children of wrath call upon God as their heavenly father? How, how can those who were once enemies of God enter into the presence of this holy, almighty God and begin to make requests of him, begin petitioning him? And the answer, my friends, is only through Jesus Christ. You, you cannot come to God but through Jesus. He is the one mediator between God and man. So you cannot have God as Father unless you have Jesus Christ as your mediator. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to God but by him. And so you could, you could recite the Lord's Prayer until you're blue in the face, but it would be utterly useless unless you know Jesus Christ. Unless you're going to the Heavenly Father through Jesus, his Son. So you must, you must have Jesus as your mediator to have God as your Heavenly Father. And my friends, here's the good news. Here's the good news. If Jesus is your mediator, then you can call out to God, Father. And you can say, Father, hallowed be your name. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this prayer. Enable us this week and the weeks to come to learn from Jesus how to pray and make us a people of prayer. Let your name be set apart and hallowed in our church and in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.